and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly studio equipment roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Kati Gorecki. Hey, Kati, how's it going? Hello, Portland is no longer completely on fire, so that's nice. Oh, Portland actually hasn't been on fire. on fire. We've had fire <laughs> south of us, and the sky yeah. was alarmingly orange. Not like apocalypse-level orange the way there was a couple summers ago, but like, Ooh, yeah. you know, I didn't enjoy it. Let's put it that way. Oh, Nicole. Yeah. So we have a couple of guests here. Nicole Freeman is back and she is also in, in Portland like Katya. So you guys can see the, you know, well, for listeners outside of America, California has been on fire for, you know, I don't know, a year. Long How long? Is it? Yeah. So so you guys can. Different bits, but yeah. It's, and you yeah. guys can see it or you guys can. You're certainly being impacted by the smoke. We also have fires in Oregon. And I think that's what was mostly what was affecting Portland last week. Was it last week? I have lost all sense of time. I think those ones are south of Salem, right? Yes. My Washington niece- also has some pretty big fires going on. The entire West Coast basically has a fire season now. Pretty much. Yeah. And I am going to break the normal order of things since Nicole already spoke and you've been on the show before. And we have another person who's a sometimes Portland resident. So I'm going to introduce her so she can say stuff. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show my friend Bridget Mars. So Bree, welcome to Vox Pop. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you are also, well, you're not in Portland right now, but you're from Portland. I am plus or minus from Portland. I'm from Louisiana, but I have spent about 10 years of my adult life in Portland, which makes it pretty much mine. Yeah. And now you live in France because you're cooler than us. <laughs> I, I am indeed cooler than you. And I do indeed live in France. Yes. Love you, Brie. I mean, I used to live in France. So <laughs> be for yourself, oh, Mav. It started high and then what happened? But anyway, this is Bree's first time on the show. And Bree is who my wife used to refer to as your lesbian internet girlfriend. That is what Steph called you whenever he was like, uh, oh, and you know, your your lesbian girlfriend person. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? If you're gonna have a relationship outside of your marriage, I am the least damaging choice that you can have. So you are welcome. We're talking a little bit off air, and this will slide slightly into the topic i want to tell people how i met bridget because this came up just when we were talking right before we started the show i said that i met her in the internet selfie cult that i used to be in it was, this, which, is, this predates the word selfie i just want to be very clear that yeah. we're old yes <laughs> i'm i don't know what you're talking about i am a very young man but All right. we're, yes. we're spring chickens <laughs> who happens to have time traveled into the present yes. Matt knows me because my ass was on the internet yes in in the self portrait cult that I started back in 2006, I think 2005 or 2006. And what I did was I on a website called Flickr, I saw a guy, a, f- a friend of mine, uh, well, uh, now a friend of mine, but a photographer named Stephen Poff was doing this self portrait every day. It, it had been his New Year's resolution that he was going to do one every day. And by now it's like August and he's missed a few, but he's mostly just posting a picture every day. And then I was like, I want to do that. So Steph and I were on vacation at the time and she was asleep. So I just went out on the balcony of our hotel room and I took up self-portrait of myself smoking a cigarette and I said this is going to be the first one and I'm going to do one of these every day for a year and then I realized I'm never going to do these every day for a year because I'm too lazy so instead if I have people watching me well I'll do anything you know for you know for press media like it's like now I've got to perform so I was like I will create a Flickr group I will invite my friends and if I can get like 20 people to watch me then then I'll just I'll feel compelled to do this for the entire year and I won't miss a single day and then by the end of the month 
hit 10,000 people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, this is going to be a thing. And then by the end of the year, 50,000 and then it's 100,000. And it's just like, oh, okay, so now we're just doing this thing where people are creating a self-portrait every day. And so I did it for four years and three. How long did you do it for? You said? I think I did it for about two years consecutively and then a little mm-hmm. bit on and off. Quite a while. But I will say when you take a picture every day, your clothes start coming off. And I do think that this is one of the best cons that the internet has ever seen is that you actually brought the nudes toward you. <laughs> you high pipered all of the naked people from the internet to just gather around you. It was and it was weird. People have talked about this before. And this will be relevant to the conversation. Trust us. We're going, going somewhere. It's, I remember someone arguing with me at one point telling me that, well, you don't understand the it was someone's nude scandal. It's like you don't understand, you know, what will happen, you know, because like you know, these young girls today, they're putting these pictures out there. They're talking about like an OnlyFans kind of thing, right? Those pictures never go away. If you're naked on the internet, you know, people will be able to find that forever. You wouldn't understand that. And it's like, I have been naked on the internet since 2006. Thank you. You can absolutely find naked pictures of me on the internet. They're like, yeah. they're not hard to find. And, um, Hashtag Google and, me. Yeah, yeah, it's, and which is always odd. Like, I always wonder whenever people, you know, hire me for a job and they're, you is know, a Google place. <laughs> yeah, if, and because my my name here, like as an like as someone who has interviewed people, I would never yeah. Google somebody mostly because I don't want to know. I have I absolutely have Google people, and the thing is, I've gone to workplaces where people are like, "So we have questions for you," and I was like, "Okay." And they're like, we've done a little digging and we found out that maybe you're into, into pro wrestling. And I'm like, you didn't do digging. You typed Chris Maverick. I used my real name. <laughs> like, it's not hard to find out that I used to be a wrestler, but yeah, sure, I'll talk about it. Level stuff. Yeah, 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 it's not. And then it's like, if you found that, clearly you found the fact that there are literally thousands of pictures of me on the internet from this project. So, I mean... Like you're saying, once you do it every day, you know, not, it's not like they're all like salacious nudity, even sometimes I'm being artistic, but also sometimes, you know, not even totally naked, right? Like you just might be there because you forgot to take a picture and it's 1158 and you're already in bed and you're like, I guess it's a PJ picture today. Click, right? Cause that is the thing that happens, <laughs> you know? So it's not, it was, it was good for my confidence. I'll say that it got me a lot more used to looking at pictures of myself and being comfortable in my own skin. Would you agree, Bree? Yeah, I think that it gives you an exterior perspective on your body. And I think that one thing that I found really interesting, and I started doing nude photography actually for porn before I started doing Flickr, which mm-hmm. again will tie into our conversation later. It's relevant. But yeah. I found that before I was looking at myself through an exterior lens, I was looking down my body. You kind of see these lumps that are your boobs and your belly and your thighs, and they're just all a bunch of lumps stacked in an orderly manner. And you look in the mirror and you're slouching and you're self-critical and you kind of don't love the person that you're looking at. But as soon Mm -hmm. as you pull out a camera and you realize that person that you're stuck inside of is actually a Barbie doll and you can kind of pose her and control her and give her feelings and give her expressions and have her emote, suddenly it's this very beautiful tool for self-expression in that slouchy, lumpy body that didn't look very attractive, you know, from the chin down, ugly selfie angle is actually this very beautiful 
beautiful machine that you live inside of. So for me, Mm -hmm. I think it was absolutely world changing, you know, being a young woman in a world that judges us on our appearance and feeling like my appearance was inadequate, being able to take a lens, step 10 feet away from myself and look at it as another person really Mm -hmm. just gave me ownership in a funny way. So yeah, that's how we know each other. The self-portrait community that we were part of. See, you're going to make me sound old, but like clearly it was, you know. He's 22. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. (laughs) It was almost 20 years ago and it, but it shouldn't have been. It was two or three years ago. So I'm (laughs) I'm sticking to that. (laughs) Two or three years ago in 2006. (laughs) So, so here's the topic for today. I was randomly listening to some podcast or the news or something. And I heard a story that I found fascinating about this girl who was taking flat for starting an OnlyFans. And I was like, well, who cares? Well, but here's the deal. Apparently, she's a girl who has been, her name's Paige Neiman, and she's made a little bit of notoriety for herself the last couple of years as she calls it being a cosplayer, but it's as being an Ariana Grande impersonator. She is a girl who posts pictures of herself to Instagram posing as Ariana Grande to the extent that you can cosplay a real person. She wears similar clothes. She's got the ponytail. And frankly, she looks a lot like her. She really does to to the point that if someone told me that it was a picture of the real Ariana Grande and I didn't know to look, I would have not questioned it. Like if I just and, seen a and picture. And we actually ran a very strict experiment in our group chat where we did yeah. that and there was confusion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I talked and I asked a couple other people randomly in my life. I'm like, can you tell which one's which? And it's not obvious. I've now looked at a bunch of pictures of her and I'm and there's things that I notice now. Like yeah. she is very obviously taller than the actual real Ariana Grande and she has bigger <laughs> boobs, but it's it, they're close. They're real close. And apparently she's been told that she looked like Ariana Grande <laughs> Since she was like 10 and she's now 18. I found a picture on her Instagram of her at age 12 and at age 12, she very much looks like Ariana Grande. She's not trying to. She's a 12 year old girl, but it's just that's just what she looks like. And I'm like, okay, fine. So she turns 18 and she decides I'm going to start an OnlyFans account. OnlyFans, for people who don't know, is they call themselves a photo website, but essentially they're porn. They're not. They don't have to be. It is a Instagram that you have to pay people to to see their pictures if and they can set the price. And yeah, it's so like, like if you Patreon. took Patreon and Instagram and, and shoved them together. Right. And then right. I would say the vast majority of content on there is in some way adult content. Yes. And, and OnlyFans decided they didn't want to be in that business at one point, like a year ago. And then they're like, we're going to we're going to make everything work safe. And people are like, the fuck you are. We don't want this anymore. And then they were like, oh, maybe we maybe we won't do that. And oh, so they reverse course. They lost 100 percent of their content in one. 100% of their user base overnight and then they backtracked yes. totally. They're like, nope, this is not going to work. So so anyway, so she jumped on OnlyFans and now to be fair, she's charging what I consider to be a lot and I was not willing to pay her to She's only got like five photos because you can see how many people, how many pictures are there, but you can't see them without without pain. And I'm like, you have five photos. I don't care about your boobs that much. So, no, you can't have sixteen dollars. That's it. That's basically I'm like, I'm I didn't care that much. So I've not seen them, but I don't actually care because because what I can see is her descriptions and her descriptions are hi, I'm Paige Neiman. This is me as myself. I am not cosplaying. I am not impersonating. That's her entire bio. And. 
And I was like, okay, that's fair. But she's been taking shit from the Ariana fan base community, which is apparently big right for the last week because people were like, how dare you? This You shouldn't do this. You are capitalizing on her name and, you know, you, you can't do this because people are going to think it's Ariana and, you, you know, it's wrong and it's a violation to like post sexy photos. And I'm like, is it though? Because I'm of the opinion that, you know, she just kind of looks like that. It's no. not like she... She didn't get to- we had she- a lot of part of the reason we wanted to do this episode is that Mav was posting about this. We had like in our group chat that we have always and forever. We were going back and forth about this. And it's like, and I think if I recall correctly, Mav, you also Ariana has expressed at least uncomfies, not just about this specific person, although I think all yeah, about yeah, should, this girl in particular, but like also about the idea of like basically not wanting people to impersonate her or do cosplay or anything like that, which like I have right. feels about from like a fashion perspective and the fact that like Ariana, while iconic in style, is not the most original, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> but the other thing was like, we were going, there was much back and forth of like, we were all like, I don't know how I feel about this. Because right. I can kind of see both sides of it, of like, I can see why from like an Ariana Grande's perspective, this might make her uncomfy. Because yes. yeah, this girl, even if she's not trying to look like Ariana Grande, will she just does. Can right. and will absolutely be mistaken for Ariana Grande. I can totally see why that's uncomfortable because like mm-hmm. all the things because basically like people will see these fo- like see these photos think it's Ariana Grande I also think it would be very disingenuous to claim that there's like part of the reason this girl is, is getting a following on OnlyFans is not at least in some way because she looks like it's Ariana almost, Grande yeah, it's almost certainly mostly from that but whether, and whether she's intending to market it that way or not so I can mm-hmm. see like why it's uncomfy I think the fan base needs to calm down because it's none of their business but like I have fan bases just need to calm down in general but also like this girl is it I the, the more I think about it the more I'm like a I don't think this girl's doing anything wrong because she just physically looks like Ariana Grande. She, as far as I know, she hasn't gotten surgery to do that. No. She's not intending to. Like, she's looked that way since she was a kid. Yes. And the other part of me is like, I don't, I like, I'm, you know, I look her up online and things like that. Like, I don't know this person or her history in detail, though. But part of me is like, how much do you want to bet the fact that she looks like Ariana Grande contributed to her being highly sexualized at a young age? And at this point, everyone's just mad that she's capitalized enough of that because to me with the like on reddit like the everybody sucks here a little bit I've never it's seen like that. well it's like the idea of like like am i an asshole it's like well, <laughs> kind of a little is it like everyone is in a gray area where i don't think there's a clear right and wrong but to me it's like she's not doing anything wrong and in some ways i'm like this might be more emblematic of like an uncomfiness we have about women's relationships to their bodies and anything mm-hmm. else i think so yeah and i think like when you think about it so she was a fourth grader when people started comparing her to a grown woman who is celebrated well, for being beautiful because 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 she would it would have been it would have been eight years ago so ariana would have been like 19 or 20 so no, ariana's my age oh is she yeah, she's she's older than you would think okay um she's in her i think she's in her early 30s Ooh, really she's okay. 29 it's okay she would have been 21 Sorry. okay oh, yeah. right. and that's the other thing that i think is an important context ariana also as a style like her style has often been to make herself look younger than she is yes yeah yeah. So and she's I think 20, there's also she's 29 that, now. I guess that. And that is relevant. I think that's somewhat relevant because I feel like part of the reason I have mixed feelings about this is like, uh, Ariana, 
knows what she's uh, doing. She's a very competent businesswoman. But like yes. part of this to me feels like this is a part of the fetishization of young women's bodies. Mm-hmm. And like in the same way, it's like Ariana was like, great, I can't change this. I'm going to benefit. I'm going to find a way to benefit right. from it. And part of this, I think part of the reason I feel icky about like victimizing this young girl is it's like she's doing the thing that Ariana did. And I would argue the sexualization part aside, even this girl is dressing like an 18, 19 year old girl. Ariana is a 29 year old woman who's dressing like an 18, 19 year old girl. Right. So if anything, I'd say Paige has more right to it. Not that I think it's wrong for Ariana. I don't like just dress, dress however you want. But I, I think like, but she doesn't get the right to police winged right. eyeliner and a high ponytail. Right. That's yes. <laughs> uh, if she, but no one would like, care if she didn't if she didn't look so much like Ariana, if she was just any other girl like, OK, I, I teach at college. Right. I have dozens of 19 year old students and I'm sure like I taught yesterday off the top of my head. I can remember at least three or four girls had high ponytails because it's a convenient way to throw your hair up. Right. Like it's just and they're not even dressed Ariana up. For has, class. Just, and yeah. Ariana has influenced style making that very popular. Yeah, sure. Like Some of this is un- like and in no way like her fault or like I under- again, I understand why she's uncomfortable with it. Part of it is like the downside of being a superstar is people imitate you like she's unfortunately getting like like whether she likes it or not, like in some ways, like this is what comes with that territory is that, yeah, if you want young people to buy your concert tickets, they are probably going to do their hair like you. They are probably right. going to do their eyeliner like you. They are probably going to dress like you. Especially since her style is idolized. She's literally part of her marketing plan has to be this sense of her identity as a target for younger women that you know absolutely. Absolutely. To grow up to be her. Yeah. Which is weird to me why she gets really upset about people cosplay, not just this particular person, but she gets upset and like post about it online about like people imitating her. It's like, well, no, she did, I should be clear. As far as I can say, she's not weighed in on this controversy. She complained about it ah. like four or five years ago. Okay. So, cool. and, and when, which is when Paige first became popular, Ariana complained about it, not mentioning her by name, but in such a way that it seemed rather clear to a lot of people that she was talking about Paige. And that got Paige a bunch of interviews, which frankly probably made her more famous. And again, it's like, I understand why like having people like as like full on intentional imitators, like an Elvis impersonator or like having people like emulating your style such that they could be mistaken for you, whether they physically look like you or not. Like I can understand why that is uncomfortable. On the other hand, I'm like, you don't get to be mega famous and then also get mad be that you're dealing with the consequences of being mega famous. I mean, I think that's an interesting statement because while I agree with you on a fashion sense that, you know, she's part of her work is for people to want to imitate her, to want to dress like her, do their hair like her. I do think it's fair to say that while we accept that certain things happen to famous people, not all of those things are okay. Oh, so for I think sure. There's a big difference between and imitation think, and stalking. Well, oh yeah. Well, the, well, it's stalking to me. And I think that the thing is it's like when it's harmless, like when you're not right. like stalking, I think is a different thing because that gets to a whole other level of like you are actually harassing that person. Right. And I think mm-hmm. this is why this case about a 14 year old girl going single white female on a grown woman. We're talking about a 14 year old girl idolizing and emulating a grown mm-hmm. woman. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of what you deal with as a famous person, whether you want to or not. I mean, isn't it also well, I think this is part of one of the reasons why Doja Cat has like has a complicated relationship with her fame is that like 
like the idea that she is a public figure is not comfortable. Right. But I don't think Ariana Grande is Doja Cat in this. Ariana Grande is doing the same thing that that Britney Spears did when she was younger. The same thing that Madonna did when she was younger. Like she is being a pop star wherein it's not just about her music. And she knows it's not just about her music too. To pretend that Ariana Grande was just a musician would be disingenuous. She is a packaged image. That's oh, yeah. like she is selling the idea of being Ariana Grande. And that is in every in everything that she does. So so in a sense, well, she, like I, I said, her, that's part of what makes her like a very competent businesswoman. Like right. she's oh, yeah, a really yeah, successful yeah. fragrance brand or for makeup brand, I think less so. But like and even the fact that she's selling like cosmetics and fragrance, which are yeah. very much about like appearance, very much about appearance. And to me, it's also a celebrity makeup brand is you are selling, if not your exact look, you're like, selling your brand. You're yeah, you Yeah, I think it's I think it's literally a promise that you use the products that I use and you can be beautiful in the way that I'm beautiful. Yes. Right. And that's kind of my that's kind of my thing. And I'm not this is not an insult to Ariana Grande. I think it's I think she's very good at it. Right. She is right. selling the idea of here's how you can be me. Like it is a cult of personality in the you know, in the she is fetishizing her appearance. She is marketing it. That is what she sells. The product that she sells is Ariana Grande. So I think that I don't think it's really she might claim that it's uncomfortable because of the oh, people are trying to be me and, you know, just taking away my agency. It's not. If anything, what's being taken away is your product, right? Like the... I think it can be both, though. Oh, no, I think it can be, but I think in this case, I think that the... I think that there is fear that if if Ariana Grande makes money based on the idea of selling the unobtainable image that is being Ariana Grande and the promise that maybe you can obtain it, the second somebody actually does obtain it, it actually slightly, you know, it's... She's a, it, she's a knockoff brand. Paige is a knockoff brand brand of Ariana Grande yeah. in some effect. <laughs> like you can like like why would I hire the real Ariana Grande when I can get this, you know, for my ad campaign if I can get this girl who's just as good is an issue. But, I don't know that it's just that, but I think it's an well, issue. I think it's also, I think that is probably part of it. But I think also part of it is like you were saying, like Ariana, the package deal. Like even if somebody looks incredibly like Ariana, like it's not the same. Right. You know, she, I don't know if Paige can sing. <laughs> well, the idea of celebrity impersonators and making money off of it, that this isn't new. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had that for right. a long yeah. time that hey, if Elvis. you look like this person, you can book gigs and do things impersonating that that person. So the idea of monetizing mm-hmm. your resemblance to someone famous, I mean, it's just not a new thing. I, I understand that most of those were probably not born. But even then, I'd be willing to bet if you researched porn, you could find you know, do. movies <laughs> wherein you have someone who has a passing resemblance to some actor. And so, you know, there's I'm sure there's a porn version of Die Hard, which with somebody who probably looks vaguely like Bruce Willis. I mean, mm-hmm. 34. Please add a list of links. <laughs> <laughs> if they're out there, I don't know. Mav might know. But I mean, of course okay. I know. Um, <laughs> the, so, but more importantly, and, his, and famously, there was in the election of Barack Obama, one of the issues that came about was once John McCain chose Sarah Palin as his running oh, mate, yeah. there was a proliferation of who's of Sarah Palin 
in porn videos. Most one of the most important or most important. I don't know what makes it important. The most well-known was called Who's Nailing Palin? Because it, that was as close as they could come to a pun on short notice. And they had a <laughs> woman named Lisa Ann. She's a porn star that does she look exactly like Sarah Palin? No, but she looks as much like Sarah Palin as Tina Fey does. If you and if you put her hair up in the bun and give her the glasses, then basically what you can like, do with makeup and contour. Yep. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. And they rushed into production. And then it was a question, well, this is just wrong. And it's like, is it though? It's I mean, it's well, and that's the thing is it's like I one of the things I was thinking about is it's like, well, is it just the imitation aspect or is it also the fact that it's being associated with adult content? Because I can see like so both were Palin, like a, a a political figure where like if someone thought that like Sarah Palin was in a porn video, that would be controversial if mm-hmm. they genuinely thought it was her. But in the same thing with Ariana Grande, it's like a lot of her target audience is like 14 year old teens, girl. teens mm-hmm. where like, yeah, like if she becomes if she is mistaken for somebody who's in porn, a lot of parents going to be like, e- you can't watch that anymore. Like I can see why there's a risk to like aside from her personal mm-hmm. feelings, there is a branding risk there. And that's what I was getting in the same before. way that there was for Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. But like part of me is like, OK, I don't know that it has anything to do with this particular imitator because I'm like, we live in the internet age. I'm like, how hard is it to Photoshop yeah. something? Like, like you could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're like like deep fakes and stuff exists. Right. But like I'm but here's where I think I agree with Sarah Palin on nothing of which I am aware. But here's where I think she had a had she had a slightly valid point. Right. If you're worried about, well, what if someone thinks this is the real Sarah Palin in this in this porn? And then again, you want to say then you're an idiot. But the public discourse right now believes that Sarah Palin claimed that she could see Russia from her house. Sarah Palin has never said that that was Tina. Tina Fey said that while impersonating Sarah Palin, Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah Palin is stupid. I mean, I'm I'm not defending her. (laughs) And but Sarah Palin made a claim in an interview that she felt like she as a governor was better suited towards foreign experience, foreign policy experience than most governors because she was one of the states that is close to another country, which is true. She was like, Alaska is close to Russia and it's close to Canada. So I have foreign policy experience. Well, that was with Canada. And that was her, that was her statement. Like that's what she said in an interview. And it is true. Does it make her good at it? Not necessarily, but it like literally like that is a true statement. And Tina Fey for a joke on SNL when impersonating her, turned it into her saying, and I can see Russia from my house, which was just goofy and stupid, but like the, was that, that was, that was un- right. It was a soundbite. It well, probably had material impacts on, like not saying that they were going to win anyway, yes. but like probably did have a material impact on the outcome of the election because of how pervasive that became. Right. I mean, and but, people well, still think she said like, it to this day. Median and uh, vagina can change the course of an election. Yes. Like if this, what is her name? Lisa. Oh, for sure. Lisa like, Ann. Say, like would not have one anyway right mm-hmm. like and i think that honestly like bless this humping heart of the porn star if she felt strongly <laughs> about the election i'm sure she was not planning to vote republican if she was willing no. to do a <laughs> porn parody of yeah, what a candidates so. if she was able to change the course of politics by getting her hub on <laughs> <damn woman. laughs> yeah i mean sure 
And I don't think any of that's wrong, right? Now, I think Paige is different because I don't think Paige, and again, I've, I don't know what she's got on, since I wrote the post on what she's posted on OnlyFans, but she appears to be very specifically saying, I am not Ariana Grande on her thing. She never uses Ariana's right. name. But she's like, so she's not trying to do marketplace confusion. She's not trying to be her. She will be confused for sure, but she's not trying to in this instance. And she's you're an attractive not even young playing woman. the keyword game. Like she's not mentioning Ariana Grande's name. Sure. But my point being, I, I don't feel comfortable with saying that this young woman does not have the right to be an OnlyFans bot. Oh, like, yeah. She, she absolutely she does. does. Like, it's yeah. her body. It's like, and especially because it's like, like you said, she's not going out of her way to try and create some kind of confusion such that she benefits. What benefits she gets, from the right? Like, what benefits she gets, it's like, is going to happen whether it happens or not. And it sounds like it's happened. I mean, this is one of the things it's like, given how, when I started learning about like how young she was, when people started drawing that comparison, I'm like, it's some ways i'm more bothered by that yes i agree because like you were comparing a 10 year old to a grown woman who's like sexualized attractive and sexualized mm -hmm. and so like again not knowing this person's like personal life or anything but to me it's like okay if i was sexualized from the ages of 10 to 18 in that way to a very famous person yeah Damn why me, not I capitalize make a on dots. that yeah <laughs> i want to yeah, yeah I, like it's like you're in a situation that like you didn't create. You may have encouraged when it benefited you. Welcome to women living and frankly, everybody living in patriarchy. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's like to me, it's like this is insofar as like this is an uncomfortable situation. Like if it is, it's like it's not because this person did anything wrong. It's because like this is emblematic of a variety of societal things that like have nothing to do with the individuals actually involved, but just have to do with like the way we treat women and also just like the way that fame works. Mm -hmm. I think she's also paid for the fact that she accidentally looks like a famous woman. Is you know she was I think fourteen years old when kind of the first page yeah. version happened and got mm -hmm. criticized. Got I believe she was doxxed. Like she uses her real name on the internet, which I find shocking. And I think mm -hmm. that because that ship sailed when she was an adolescent. And so you know if you can imagine what it is to grow up being harassed by a huge fan base being mm -hmm. sexualized yeah. insulted she's paid for this and in a funny way i kind of feel like you know at this point she's earned the right to profit off of it because she suffered yeah mm -hmm. that's kind of how i feel is it's like at this point i'm like good for you for making the best out of a bad situation that frankly like you probably could not get out of even if you wanted to at this point right that's my big thing like i don't think she can not have this happen like all she can do is not profit from it and why shouldn't she like that's the best she can hope for right I just like I find it weird because like I'm like the Ariana fans who are on her right now. What do you want from her? Do you should she be forced to dye her hair? Or is she, should she be forced to cut her hair short? Can she not wear eyeliner? What is it that you're asking for? Because she can't change. You're not going to get her plastic surgery, right? She can't change her facial structure. So and this is the rabbit hole is like if she wants to go to Harvard and that's not in line with I don't know maybe Ariana Grande went to Harvard, but if she wants to go to a college that's not in line with Ariana. Grande's image. She wants right. to, you know, go to the supermarket wearing socks under her Birkenstocks. You know, what are the lines that we're going to draw so that this girl doesn't ruin the image of somebody much more privileged than her? You right. know, and I do think that, you know, we don't know her financial situation. I know I used sex work in part to pay for my college education. We're currently mm -hmm. in a college debt crisis. And so if this 18 year old is able to empower herself to financially support whatever needs she's assessed for her own life, 
lifestyle. Just pay I, a rent, whatever. Yeah. Pay your rent. Like pay mm-hmm. for your beer. Like fuck it. I don't care. But I do think that if we start to talk about what she can and can't do while looking like another person, it really starts to get into bodily autonomy very quickly. It starts to get mm-hmm. into who's she allowed to date? Is she allowed to have children? Yeah. Is she allowed to be pregnant in public? Is she allowed to go outside without the eyeliner on? Lest a paparazzi yeah. think that Ariana Grande is letting herself go. I think we just we can't go down the line of telling girls that look like other girls or women that look like other women that they have to limit their interactions with the world because of it. Well, I think like part of this is also like I, I, I do want to get to the fan base thing specifically because I think it is important to distinguish that a lot of like as Mav called it earlier, a lot of the attention that this girl's getting isn't from Ariana Grande herself. It's from the fan base. But I think it's part of this Ariana is fans. also Rabbit like Ariana fans, right. but I think part of this is also like why you were talking. It's like to kind of made me think it's like a lot of this to me is also the way in which women are socialized to care about other people for themselves. Like she's being asked to prioritize somebody she doesn't even actually know other than right. like a very vague parasocial right. relationship prioritize that person's well-being who has way more financial like resources than she will probably ever have privilege more ev- like more of many things than, than Paige will probably ever have and she's being asked to prioritize that person's well-being ahead of herself and that is frankly kind of disgusting yeah yeah I think it's also worth yeah, noting. She's 18. She's a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's very young. She's just coming into her identity. I right. think also, like, I think about what it would be like to be, because I remember being seven years old and thinking about myself as a sexual entity. Like, when we talk about the sexualization yeah. of young girls, it, it it begins very early. I remember, yeah. like, went to the pool in a bikini and wondering if people thought I was sexy. And I'm literally talking at the age of seven. So if you talk mm-hmm. about this 10-year-old girl who's being told, you look like this person that we all know is beautiful. Where's the key to being beautiful? Like if you do your makeup like this, if you do your hair like this, if you do the following set of things with your style, we're telling you that is what will suit you and what will suit your body and your face and your positive attention. Yeah. And she got, and, yeah, and she got all the what you want effectively. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think that, yeah, we are looking at, you know, Ariana Grande's got kind of the other side of the coin, which is that she, as we, you know, we're touching on is kind of an infantilized adult as many pop star women are. And then mm-hmm. we've got, you know, a younger girl looking up to her and aiming upward as adolescents are meant to be doing. And I just, yeah, I can't condone sexualizing and essentially socially training this girl and then being being mad about it blaming her for it like well yeah i mean that's the thing is it's like especially like i mean when i was thinking about like especially learning like how young she was when she's talking in the comment i mean the first time i was publicly catcalled i think i was her age Mm -hmm. i was like 10 or 11 and like that was deeply uncomfortable especially because all the adults around me thought it was funny they thought it was cute which is like in retrospect alarming i hope that as a society we have no i don't think we have i i like to believe that maybe (laughs) bits of it have i will say actually one of the things i have noticed in the last several years and I think it's highly geographically constrained, but I've noticed adult women will, especially when they see young girls being catcalled or harassed by men, especially older men, mm-hmm. will, I have seen women intervene publicly in a way that I did not see or experience as a kid. So I will say that. But yeah, I was thinking about like, yeah, the first time I was catcalled was like 10 or 11. And I'm like, it makes me even more sympathetic to the idea of like, yeah, girl, if you can get yours. Well, what I was like, thinking is- happen to you no matter what. If she's 10 when people are making that comparison, 
to her. And by the time she's 14, like she's 14, she is a minor, but she has an Instagram where she is clearly going out of her way to create the illusion. So presumably her parents are condoning or at least passively condoning her cosplaying as a famous person who's famous for being sexy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know she's famous for singing, but again, she's famous for being sexy. It's part. Yeah, it's at least one part of the overall image. Right. So it's not so so, you know, she's certainly not Ariana being, Grande is not that wrong for doing it. No, not at all. But I'm just saying she's certainly not being like uh, you were talking about the idea of, you know, no one's stopping this. I don't think anybody's telling her that she can't be sexy at 14 mm-hmm. because she's literally trying to look like sexy Ariana Grande. So, well, and I wouldn't advocate for telling a 14 year old to not be sexy. Like 14 year olds yeah. are sexual creatures. Like, mm-hmm. you know, keep it within your circle, kiddos. But it's part of of it's part of growing it's part of exploring yourself and i think you know personally i'm glad that her parents wouldn't tell her what she can and can't be i know Mm -hmm. that we all try on different styles as we're growing Mm -hmm. she just happened to know one that would work very well and happened to admire the person that it was working for and frankly i don't think if so and also just because she imitates ariana grande doesn't necessarily mean that she lets especially like outside of the only fans doesn't mean she's doing so because it's a sexualized image right like right at this point like ariana grande is an idol of many young women that probably dress like of her just because like they look up to ariana grande right and they just don't look that much like her but what i was getting at right. is like i'm betting if ariana grande never exists quite frankly Paige neiman is an attractive young well woman now but girl at the at 14 she probably would it would have been able to get some instagram modeling she's cute that's you know that's just what it is and i and to the point that brie was making i don't i I don't think there's any reason to penalize her for that. I'm actually completely okay with her exploring that at 14 even, right? Like safely. Like she's not, as far as we know, she's not, you know, she's not working in clubs. She's posting pictures on Instagram. I probably wouldn't have wanted her to use her real, you know, but like her full real name. Also when she was doing that, there was a lot less awareness of data privacy among like I mean, I use my real name. Everybody. But like I'm and she's not my child, so it's not my decision. I'm just saying that probably would have been safer to just call her you know Paige smith or something i don't know you'd come up with something cool have a cool gimmick name but like you know no and that's for me that's my only hang up with her as well and i assume that now for only fans it's because she got doxxed when she was 14 but Mm -hmm. i mean i have had a stalker from the internet to the point that this person like has contacted multiple people that i know has contacted my family members i think contacted you matt um yeah Yeah. opened a bank account in my name like we're talking like as far as you can go with stalking (laughs) i wasn't sure i wasn't sure sure how much you want to talk about but yeah yeah, massively illegal problematic international case yeah i mean (laughs) quite frankly terrifying like this is a person that to be very blunt threatened to beat me bald me and raped me and that you know that happened without me disclosing my real name on the internet so Mm -hmm. i'm very aware of how scary it is on the internet how easy it is to dox a person and i i would never advocate for anybody use any woman especially using their real last name because you know especially for somebody her age like people are going to target her but i i do think that's something that honestly probably the ship sailed before her parents realized that she was old enough to be sexualized on the internet mm-hmm. and i think also like she's also the age where i feel like you know i hate the phrase the instagram generation but it means something to people well 
it's like it, it does it serves a purpose because it's like they're i think they're like uh, there's like millennials basically i think from my age to probably like a quite probably five to ten years younger i'm in my early 30s we were on the internet in the age before people fully understood what could happen on the internet mm-hmm. and so like it's also part of it is it's like like you know if like maybe if she was 14 posting on instagram in the same way that she was you know even four years ago before being do- like removing doxing from the situation maybe wouldn't have used a real name but like honestly her and her parents depending on how like into data security and the internet they were like might not have known how important that could be especially for a minor because i feel like now like the conversations i hear parents having about like consent to be on the internet is even around like the idea that they post their young you know child's po- like photos on their own personal accounts is a conversation that i don't think was happening five ten years ago no and i think that it's important to blame mark zuckerberg when we can i think that you know it should be noted oh, right. always and forever <laughs> always and forever blame zuck but no this was happening at the same time that he on that website that he created first and foremost was saying everybody is obligated to use their full first and last name yep. there's no such thing as lack of safety on the internet so we've got LinkedIn has the mogul. same problem mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we've got giant moguls of social media saying you have to use your real name and i doubt mm. that she was using a lot of the facebook's just generationally but you know we are talking about a time when somebody was trying to normalize something that was not a reasonable safety standard and that's when she came into her own as an internet user or as a social media user for some platforms that's still an expectation i mean linkedin you're not required to but in order for linkedin to serve its purpose you kind of have to the one that i would have pointed to so facebook had it as a policy but they weren't actively doing anything about it if people remember google plus was a website that when google decided what if facebook but we owned it that was the entire business plan it wouldn't facebook be better if we were making the money and one of the things they had was they were very strict about the use your real name thing to the point where they blocked my account which I, like i got an early invite because of like just knowing people and so i made an account and then they blocked it well they're like, you have to use your real name well that is my real name but my name sounds fake so like it was a, so like i had to prove that i really am who i am and then yeah it's come up before you know like but also I got into arguments. I remember having arguments on the platform with people. There was some woman who just geeky and I don't know if she worked for Google or if she was just, but she was advocating for it. This is better because it's a safer space because people are using their real names. And I said, that's insane. It's not, doesn't mean, I mean, I'm using my real name, but it doesn't make it safer. And she's like, well, you don't understand because, you know, as a woman, you want people to use their real name because then you feel safe. And I was like, mm, hey. you want- I was like, and I was like, well, I don't like, know the person. I understand. Like, and I was like, feel safer. That doesn't mean yeah. that you're are safer well and i was having and i was having this conversation on like a mutual friend's website and she was like well she's like because you know she's like and she's like you don't understand and she was telling me i didn't understand it's like i understand the point you're making but you're but she's like but she's like well but like if you want to you know you want to be able to know who people are like i know who you are now and i'm like yes but also i know and i just go for instance i would like like do you want me to like if i'm a crazy person and i'm not we have a mutual friend but i'm like if i'm a crazy random stalker person and i suddenly know that 
that you live in, insert her state here, and you work at this place, and you are married with three kids. Like, now I know a lot of information about you. And she's like, how dare you cyber stalk me? And I'm like, I literally clicked on your bio and read the first two posts. Yes. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, I'm not, I mean, like, I didn't, that's just what's on your homepage. And I know that because, and, it's, and again, I'm, and I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying that you, I'm not trying to steal your information. I'm saying it wouldn't be hard because they were your most recent two posts on the internet is talking about your job and talking about your family. Like that's just the world that we live in. We do that. That's what social media is. Some of us like, you know, do less and more. And I understand the risks that I take when I do stuff, but also, you know, that's just what we are. And she has grown up in this world. She has grown up and been sexualized in the world where her public persona, the only persona that really matters for who she is, is that I am the girl who looks like Ariana Grande. Right. Well, and I think just to touch on the safety things, I think it was really interesting when you're talking about the things that make you feel safe versus the things that actually are safe. A lot of like, I think about this with dating apps, this is like a tangent, but I think about this dating apps, like the verified ticks on dating apps mean nothing. They are there to give you the illusion of safety. They don't necessarily actually produce a safer experience because just because somebody is verified, basically that their phone number and their email address is real, doesn't mean that they are a safe person. And I am astonished that I had to say that, but like, and I I think I can't imagine that anyone actually genuinely believes that, but I'm sure they do. Well, well, it's like social media companies have gone out of their way to make you think that a verified tick somehow means that like even like like that is a safer person or it's a more reliable thing. I mean, because in some ways, like the original purpose to me of the verified ticks was basically to confirm on Twitter whether or not the celebrity was actually the celebrity, which was a different right. purpose of like, is that person actually saying the thing that they were real, which actually maybe does relate to the Ariana Grande, on Ariana Grande situation a little bit. But when it translates to like dating apps and people that don't have like a public persona or at least not famous enough that they're like, that is the same concern. I like the entire idea that is a safer mechanism just baffles me because I'm like that makes no sense no I mean I think that logic comes back to policing and I think it comes to a an assumption about policing that's actually the opposite of what we've seen you know recently we've seen social right. sites you know turn over evidence that a child got an abortion and that kind of a thing but I think that people that are looking at their dating app and seeing a check mark by somebody's name and assuming that it means that they're safer is assuming that if something bad were to happen that the dating app would mobilize police leasing in their favor. And right. Number one, that's not going to happen. Number two, don't use the police to keep yourself safe. <laughs> especially like one of the things that I think it is very important, especially for women, and basically the non-cis men in the world to understand is that you are a commodity on a dating app. You are not mm -hmm. the customer. You're the product. The overwhelming number of dating apps, I realize we're getting very off top topic, but like the overwhelming number of like, like overwhelmingly dating apps make money off of men buying premium packages. Statistically, that's just how it, to say that women don't purchase those, but statistically it is mostly men. So like it is in that business's incentive to keep men on the app. Like you are the product. And that is very important to remember when you interact with these things, especially when you interact with customer service at those companies. Do we need to do a dating app show one day? We might need to do Maybe. a dating app I feel like one. we probably right. need to get some people with like more expertise. I know some things about yeah. the data privacy alarmingness. 
but mostly from a like personal capacity. Data privacy and also just like like people, the thing that people miss about dating apps, and this is literally all of them, because people like to go, well, yeah, but I'm on Bumble and it's better. It's like, no, yeah. here's, here, here's the trick with dating apps. Dating apps don't want you to be happy. The way that dating apps make money is you not being in a relationship <laughs> that works. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> hair dye theory that if you buy permanent hair dye, it doesn't last. And if you buy temporary hair dye, it's permanent because then you have to buy a second product. Right, right. We want you coming back in two months. Yes. Yeah. Like the brilliance of Tinder is rather than trying too hard to like match you with someone compatible, you're just matching with somebody you think is cute today. That's the brilliant, right? Because that mm-hmm. means that you come back tomorrow to find a new cute person. That's all they're looking for. Like it's literally they want you to not succeed. And it is in fact match. hilarious um, to yeah, the point okay where cupid. like my algorithm, like I find the like the like on Hinge the people that are recommending. We should have to do an episode, but like I just want to rant about this because I think it's hilarious. Like that is painfully like obvious if you pay attention to who like app recommend you to match with. If it's like somebody who has enough common interests that you could have a conversation with. Or like it is mm-hmm. attractive enough that like, yeah, they're cute for today, but like is very clearly not the person I would want to be in a relationship. And I can see that in three sentences and six pictures. Right. Yeah. But like, but you've already viewed the ad. So it's like, not because they're a bad person, but I was just like, this is not the kind of person I want to be in a right. relationship with. Right. Yeah. That's the point is to, and I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this back into like, you know, even something like, like OnlyFans, which is what Paige is using. The point of these, of these apps is engagement, much like Facebook, right? Like, the way Tinder makes money, the way Bumble, Plenty of Fish, like all of them, the way they make money is the longer you are on the app, the more money they make. They want you there mm-hmm. as much as possible. They want you to be the product and they want you to buy premium services and they want you to view ads like they don't want you happy. If you go off and get married and live happily ever after, you're a lost customer. This isn't useful. Think of them the way that you think of like a streaming service, like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime or something. What we want you to do is just we want to keep the barrier to entry low we want to make it more trouble to cancel <laughs> so what we need you to, is just you to, you to keep this around that's how tender makes money that's what they do well and yeah. just enough success stories so that you want to be on the app but not right. so much that they lose customers right it's well, a lottery your friend is mentioning them again in two months when they start dating but no i think what we're hitting <laughs> on and this does bring us back to only fans is that we have been trained to be clickbait like we are mm-hmm. human clickbait and that we are the commodity we are also the consumer but on every social media platform I can't think of one that's not human driven, that is not, you know, we're consuming other people and we're also, you know, feeding ourselves to them in a delicious way. And then we get mad at specifically, especially at young women, but I think we get mad at people, but especially young women when they find ways to benefit off of that. I mean, I think that's like the backlash against OnlyFans, not to say that like OnlyFans are the only people who are using that or women are not the only people using OnlyFans, obviously. But at least when I've personally seen like the people getting called out for it, it's usually young women. And and it's like we're mad that they've found a way to commodify the thing that society expects them to do anyway. And to talk it more directly, to take the middleman out of it. Because if you think yeah. about old school pornography, like if we want to think about Playboy, if we want to think about Hustler, if we want to think about all of those videos, you know, those are things that primarily, you know, there's some guy with hopefully a curly mustache who's the one that's <laughs> collecting the profit. And then you've got somebody that's getting an hourly wage to create the content. 
Whereas OnlyFans, yes, of course, the platform is taking 10% or whatever their cut is, but there isn't a mustached man who's taking the most of the profit. So in Paige's case, she knows what her cut is and she's getting her cut. She's not getting the payment for the time. She's getting the payment for the amount of dissemination that happens. That is a word with semen in it. You're welcome. (laughs) And it has more control over how, like doesn't have total control, but I think has at least a greater degree of control than you would have in the other model. Yeah, she's giving somebody video footage that they cut together and maybe she didn't want her vagina to be in the cut, but they cut it in anyway or, you know, what have you. She gets to take the photo. She gets to select the photo. She gets to process them. It's all what she chooses to share. Oh, you were going to say something. So make sure. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, we're talking about, we're we're basically talking about women because you don't see, I mean, I, I mean, there probably are some, but I don't see like guys who I look like Ryan Gosling and I'm going to make an OnlyFans and I'm going to rake in a ton of money. Or Some, it, not as much. It's, it's not yeah. the same way, which is, mm-hmm. again, I think a bias of society. I mean, I don't know that women would necessarily... It's mostly guys. But... It's mostly... So, so <laughs> the... Well, so here's the thing is most porn customers, and not all, like, there are certainly women who enjoy porn. I, don't, I mean, I don't mean to say that. Most porn customers, the vast majority of the money spent on porn is spent by men. They might be... They they might be paying to see women or they might be paying to see men, right. but it's either straight men paying to see women or gay men paying to see men is where most of the money is. You don't have as much going the other way. Well, I think part of that is because, you know, we've been sort of our society sort of socializing. Well, women don't like porn. Women don't want to look at those things. That's sort of yet another way that if a woman is embracing sexuality, it makes people more uncomfortable that, oh, well, you know, that it's because women are supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be sexy, but we're supposed to be sexy to be consumed by someone else, not to enjoy it for ourselves and not. And I think also unaware of it. You're even sexier if you if you're the kind of sexy who doesn't know she's sexy because then she's not. So it's non-consensual at this point. I mean, all the time the guy says, you know, if a woman, if he gives a woman a compliment and she says, she just says, thank you. Or she says, you know, you yeah, I know. Like conceited, like we're supposed to be. Oh, so grateful. Oh, (laughs) no, not really. That great today. Oh, oh no. I just threw this on. Right. We're not like, yes, I did that on purpose. Right. (laughs) It's strange. Although now I am sort of thinking in my head, like, is there some poor guy out there somewhere who growing up looked exactly like Justin Bieber and the girls kept sort of. No, that's the lesbian that you're talking about. (laughs) Would they have loved it? Would they have been like, yeah, I get the chicks that way. I mean, Um, love love looking like Justin Bieber. I don't know about men. (laughs) I think that's the thing is, it's like we have this assumption that like men always enjoy that kind of attention and women don't. But I like that is absolutely not true. It's like it depends. It's like if you are a very introverted person and you happen to look like, yeah, Justin Bieber or Ryan Gosling, that might be a very unpleasant experience for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, like you said, we're socialized to assume they're men, so they must want to enjoy it. I mean, (laughs) I feel bad because, you know, we'll probably end the episode soon, so we're not going to get too far into it, which is you know sort of the point that I'm about to make. 
it does exist. This is the things that I know from the kinds of research that I do. We, even us liberal elite scholar people, you know, mm-hmm. like we tend to treat these problems like they are female problems. And we've done that this episode. We've been talking mostly about one specific person. Right. But in general, we're talking about it as, as though it's a woman's problem. And what ends up happening is that even though it is more frequently a woman's problem, it becomes a men's problem as well. Mm-hmm. And since it doesn't get any press and it ends up being very alienating for the boys who do have the problem, the more so the more frequent one that I can explain, because people actually it actually has gotten press more recently is there was a period of time and by a period of time, I mean, for fucking decades where people believed that only women could have eating disorders. There was no such thing as anorexia or bulimia for boys. And it probably killed a lot of boys. It probably flat out just killed men. Especially in the wrestling community. I had one of my friends (laughs) in high school was a wrestler and it's because you're weight classed. It is an eating disorder that your high school teach you. Yes. Yes. And it is a massive body image issue that literally works exactly the same way it does for young girls, Mm -hmm. except that we spent 40 years just actively ignoring it and telling people who complained about it, get over it. You're not doing the right thing. Like, it's not like, like that's a girl problem. Don't worry. Like, so like we, we made it worse. And that was it by pretending that no, suck it up. You know, a man will just go throw up and like make weight. Like that's literally <laughs> like it was horrific. While we were trying to fight the bulimia for girls issue, we were making it worse for boys. We do the same thing with we look at the, I mean, the epidemic we had for a while of adult teachers molesting and I'm going to call it molesting, but having sexual relationships with teen boys in high schools, mm-hmm. which was yeah, a thing. That was that what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Like sexual and assault with boys is not considered sexual assault for who knows right. what reason. Because like, because it was just like, dude, you know, you're so lucky you bang Mrs. Whatever, right? Like that was like, I mean, and he might feel that way because sure he, of course he does. If he's uh, he, he had, you know, as a 15 year old boy got to have sex with a 13, 35 year old teacher, maybe he feels great. So does the 15 year old girl who had sex with her 35 year old teacher doesn't make it right in either case and so there's things like that so yes although um, I would argue that sexual assault in general isn't taken overly seriously oh sure yeah oh yeah I don't mean to imply that it's that it is I'm yes it was I'm saying all I'm saying is it it is a problem that exists and there are certainly going to be problems with unwanted sexualization of young boys particularly athletic ones that get ignored because you're supposed to society not only says you're supposed to to look that way but also you're supposed to look that way and be proud when the harassment happens to Mm -hmm. you and if you don't something's wrong with you so it's out there and it's a weird thing i mean i'm not trying to say it happens as much as it does to girls it doesn't right it happens less frequently but it Mm -hmm. exists and the problem is that not only do we ignore it we sort of counter program against it we sort of actively try to normalize it in a way that even educationally is probably you know probably wrong and probably should be dealt with and now i'm going to be guilty of it by saying but that's another show (laughs) 
I'd like to think that 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 we'll get there eventually. I mean, I know that's not a very good mm-hmm. answer, but these are enormous problems, and we're mm-hmm. just starting to get, to, uh, like we've pointed out already, of you know people trying to stop cat calling of young girls, and you know that we're we're starting to become more aware and try to take some more steps, and so hopefully that will continue and we'll start trying to combat some of the stuff that that boys and, and men get stuck with too. I mean, because you're right. I mean, it is it is a separate episode. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe we'll get there. Some days I want to have hope. Some days I just <laughs> find the work. But you know, <laughs> it's just it's hard for me to envision those stories changing though, because I think what is happening is that we gaslight teenagers into thinking that it's a high five moment if an adult sexualizes them. Like I remember being fourteen, yeah. being hit on by a twenty five year old and feeling proud of myself. Like, okay, well, that that really showed me that I have merit and value. This 25 year old thinks that I'm hot. I was a little girl. And I think that, you know, we have so many books and movies and stories that consistently go back to this narrative, especially with girls, but sometimes with boys as well, of the student and the teacher. And it's still these are stories that are still being told that are still on TV. You're still seeing Mm -hmm. primetime television shows that are romanticizing a 15 year old and a 30 year old and you know Mm -hmm. speaking as somebody that was 15 at one point and grew out of it there there are things that I can look back at in my childhood and I have a different lens there are things that I look back at in my childhood that I'm like oh that was rape this thing Mm -hmm. that I thought was uncomfortable part of growing up and you're going to have some sexual experiences that you don't like that wasn't consensual that wasn't this that wasn't that that I didn't even as a child understand were assault so there's a lot of trauma that we're putting into children just through the media that we consume. And unless we're throwing all of that out, we're tossing the books out the door, we're erasing Hulu and all of the TV show rehashing services. These stories are going to continue that gaslighting framework that says it's romantic and intoxicating to be a child sexualized by an adult. And I wouldn't say that you should throw it out because, again, this is I I don't want to get into the habit of like, say, you know, saying Ariana did something wrong. here. I think it's okay for children to be sexual. I think it's okay to have stories about children who are sexual. I think that the thing to work on is how we talk about it critically, which is, you know, I mean, quite frankly, it's why this show exists, right? Like it's literally Katya and I, when we talked about this and when you, I and Wayne were talking about this at the very beginning, it's like, why don't we just do a show where we just have these conversations that we think are important? This is one of them, right? Like this is, so I I think it's. Well, and I I do think it's important also to call out the distinction between like children being sexual because like, like somebody said earlier, I forget what it was, like that is part of development. Yes. And children being sexualized. Sexualized. Because like, I think that's that's the thing we're trying to, and I think this is also part of why to go back to the thing with Paige is like why to me it's like, yeah, great. You're finding a way to benefit from a situation that happened to you as a child. And I don't want to say that like every comparison of a child that looks like Ariana Grande to Ariana Grande is not this inherently sexual in nature because like, again, she is an idol that has looked up to girls by many, for many reasons. And we shouldn't Mm -hmm. reduce her to a person who is just sexy because also like very talented and also like, I think also in some ways more admirably, clearly a very competent businesswoman. Yes. Yes. I will say also with female pop stars in particular, like we often forget that part. Like they are not just talented singers, dancers, whatever it is. They are good businesswomen. Oh yeah. 
Like you don't get to be that kind of that level of fame without a being competent and intelligent in your own right. And then also surrounding yourself with smart people, which to me is part of being a competent, intelligent person. Um, Donna just kept reinventing herself in different ways. I'm like, that is smart. Just keep. I know she is a genius of the chameleon variety. She knows how to keep one step ahead of movements and music. Mm -hmm. And it's I mean, when you watch her career and I see the same thing, I know everybody doesn't love Taylor Swift, but why? Watching what she does with her musicality, watching the ways that she shifted her music. She's kind of following that same track of saying like what I was when I was, I don't know, she must have been 12 when she started her career doesn't work for who I am now. Like you do see these Mm -hmm. phenomenal female artists primarily who are constantly having to reinvent themselves because the appetite Mm -hmm. for identity is just too short lived. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing is it's also like, I think that's, it's important to call out like, yes, I think we focus on the, like, I think partially because the only fans connection, like specifically like the adult content and the sexual sexualization, which I think is absolutely part of this narrative. But also like, I think part of what I found deeply uncomfortable is about some of this like sort of weird situation is it's like, it's also asking us or like encouraging us to reduce the lives of both of these women to that aspect when it's like, I want young girls to look up to women that they see as powerful and competent and successful mm-hmm. and if that means they put on their eyeliner and they try and dress like them like great and also if you look up to women if you look up to older women because they are sexy like that's cool too yeah well when you think about like the history of art the history of art at large like if you're learning to be a painter you are going to sit down and you are going to copy a Van Gogh brush stroke by brush stroke. You're going to go to a lot of the works yeah. in the canon and you're going to work on recreating them, not because you believe that you're going to grow up and be Van Gogh, but because you know that part of the trajectory to discovering your own hand as an artist is understanding the hands of other artists that have come before you. So if we've got mm-hmm. this, you know, adolescent coming into her womanhood, that it that through the lens of Ariana Grande, that doesn't mean that has to be the path that she continues. It's just, it's one of the many lenses that she has to look at her identity. And I think that one thing that this is where this becomes very gendered is because it's her mimicking sexiness as a young girl instead of as a young boy, because in the same way that you said, like a painter, like, uh, like, I I learned to draw by copying comic mm-hmm. books. Like that's like yeah. I wanted to be. I wanted to draw like Ron Friends and John Buscema when I was a kid. And then eventually I like learned. I was like, oh, let me see what I can do. That's like Kirby. Let me see what I can do. That's like Rob Liefeld or Jim Lee. What can I be, be? Frank Miller. And I basically just practiced copying people till I started developing my own style. That's how I learned to draw. Right. But also to this day, people, you know, people will often compliment how I dress when I teach. You know, wow, you know, a lot. Most professors just throw on stuff, but you've got really nice clothes it's like yeah because when i was 10 years old i started trying to copy billy d williams and prince and that's my wardrobe now right? <laughs> like like, like to, you know 30 something years later what do i look like because i decided that the sexiest a man could possibly be was either prince or billy d and it's been decades and it's still true so that's who i am you know? and it's but still like, working for you <laughs> right right but nobody thought it was no one ever complained about like me wearing, you know, purple dress shirts or suits or like the things that make 
print sexy. I, I, I mean, if I'd shown up to school with wearing just chaps, probably somebody would have said something <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you need an ass there. Like, you know, but I didn't show right? up to school shirtless and don't get dress coded. So, I like, don't know. as long as the pants are longer than your fingertips, do they really talk about butthole coverage? <laughs> I, 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 maybe. I don't know. Like, I, I, and I never tried, right? I'm going to, I'll be honest there. I, I didn't try to show up just in chaps. Okay. But, like, <laughs> But like a lot of the rest of the stuff, I mean, like that's just that's just what I do. And I don't think anybody looks at me or complains as a 48 year old man. I don't think anybody complains about the way that I dress when I teach in a way that if I were copying someone else who was sexy in the I think it's different showing up for work dressed like Billy D than it is showing up for work dressed like Diana Ross. That's, you know, (laughs) and that's and, and from the same movie from I mahogany right like i like i think you that, dressed as diana roth not a lot of please do teacher. you can save the chaps for next week <laughs> and now we have resolved nothing yeah <laughs> yeah this was fun though I mean, we've resolved nothing other than you know let kids be kids let people be people let women be women and i'm counting pages all of those things you know it's weird because she, she is a grown just woman to calm down <laughs> Yeah, everyone needs to calm down. But also, I think it's I think it's important to have critical conversations about these things. Hope we're not just noise, right? Like we're not just complaining that oh she's not allowed to do this, or oh how dare you tell her she's not allowed to do this, which has been some of the other conversation that I've seen. Like of course she can do this, and I think that there is nuance to be had because I do think, and we tried to do this here. I do think that there is a point to the idea that let's not pretend that Paige isn't famous because of Ari, right? Like. like it's kind of like the reddit everybody sucks here is it's like nobody actually sucks is that it's like i can see the uncomfortableness from multiple vantage points and it's like none of them are wrong but also no one's doing anything wrong right right and i think we've got to allow for that and i think that the way we learn to allow for that is having conversations on shows like this one that everyone should like and subscribe to. Very subtle. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Anyway, thank you for being here. I will start. Bree, your first time here. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, uh, always you. awesome time to you. Um, <laughs> anything you would like to plug? Other than butt. No. Oh, nice. <laughs> I really like a good butt. There's my plug for you. <laughs> I love you, Brie. <laughs> uh, Nicole. I can't possibly compare with that. <laughs> I will say that the National Popular Culture Association, we have opened for submissions for our April conference. There are a whole lot of different areas. Ev and I are two of the area chairs. I oversee comic and comic I art. Am. Mav is now uh, overseeing eros and pornography in popular culture. Nice. <laughs> I'm in charge of sex. <laughs> That's a job. <laughs> yes. you, can, you can submit at pcaaca.org if you want to check out a list of areas. And if you have thoughts on this, like literally Eros and Pornography, the sex group that I'm in charge of, this would be perfect to actually talk about the usage of OnlyFans. I would love to see someone write a paper about that. You've been invited. (laughs) (laughs) Katya. I actually have something to share that is not flippant and or petty. I mean, I probably will also do that, but no, I 
have a new chapter out in a book called a collection called using open educational resources to promote social justice. Weirdly, it is a publication that came out of my capacity as basically a project manager and not as strictly an academic. So take that for what you will. But it's actually there's a paid version, but it's also online open access. If you want to read it, there's a bunch of cool essays there about how people think about online educational content as a way of forwarding critical conversations and education, much like this podcast. I even tied it in. But yeah, please don't spend the $90 to buy the collection unless you... You would be really... I don't care like, that money. Well, it's just like, it's just really weird to like, like uh, to be like, we would like you to spend money on this book about open resources. Well, yeah, and that was the thing. It's like, from the beginning, they were like, we're going to technically, like, you can technically buy a print version, but like, we, they produce all of this series as open access resources. Because yeah, it would be... Know, just to, for people who might not know, what's an open access resource? I just realized that. I was using an open access resource, something that is freely available on the internet, typically without a paywall. I mean, yes. actually, without a paywall, sometimes there's monetization options by donation. In this case, it is a freely available link to a collection mm-hmm. with it's a free open access. If you like paper, yes, yeah. And some of the chapters, uh, our chapter is DCBYNC, which I think is you can use it in whatever way as long as you credit back to the original authors. Some of the chapters in the collection are what might might be licensed a little bit differently. But that was the other cool thing about this uh, this publication actually is they gave us full control over how we licensed our individual chapters, which I imagine was a legal nightmare because having multiple pieces of a single collection licensed differently is interesting. It sounds awful. (laughs) I mean, mean, it sounds great for the reader. It sounds awful to be in charge of. (laughs) For the publishing house, probably if I worked for that publishing house, it would give me anxiety. As someone who used to be in charge of managing the copyright of online content. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a major Do you have any book? Yeah. As always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Fox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.foxpopcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week, which I'm not sure. We got a couple things out. I'm hoping maybe it's a Prince movie. You know, just a little free plug. We'll see. And you can leave us comments on this or any other show and suggest topics that you want to see us cover. You can ask to be on the show. A lot of times we pick our guests based on just people who are commenting on the blog post which is what happened this week. Like they're both like me just like writing Nicole and Brie and going, hey, that's a good point you made on the blog. You, you want to come on the show and just talk about it? That's what we do. So if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm makes us more popular really helps us out and you know you know if i get if we get a million five-star reviews i'll open up only fans that's what are you putting on it <laughs> i don't are know i'll figure it out i'll just i mean hell i'll be i mean again if you really want to find pictures of me they're <laughs> there <out> you know <laughs> like yeah, like it's not this is not hard but. Okay, these are these are open access nipple but oh that's true if just, you want I mean, to get like, to a million five stars and add in a paywall you can have that privilege see again this is why she's on the show today <laughs> i would like to thank maximilian of thought for music who i'm sure loves this leading in his credit for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out I'd once again like to thank all of our different guests for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.